Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I have a brother who is a year and a half younger than I am. We fought a lot growing up, poor mom, and mom would say, you boys are going to drive me to the insane asylum, and when we get there, don't bring me back. Uh, we'd say, mom, what do you want for Christmas? Got the same answer, peace and quiet. <laughs> uh, when I was eight years old, my brother and I run downstairs Christmas morning for the, to the den where the tree was to get all the presents. We walk into the den, there's one red bike under the tree and nothing else. And my brother and I looked at that bike, we looked at each other, we looked at mom, where are all our presents? Well, you boys weren't good this year, that's all Santa brought you, one bike to share. Mom left the room, and I can just remember standing there thinking, this cannot be. And I, I, something in me knew, something's up. And Mark and I walked down the hall into the living room, and I still remember Mom was laying on the couch reading Reader's Digest, tons of presents all over the living room floor for us. And, and here's why I tell that story. That story is a picture of grace. Grace means we sinners don't get what we deserve, which is hell. We get grace. On this program, I want us to go through one verse, phrase by phrase. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we're going to explain these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not of your good works, lest anyone should boast. So let's discover in this half hour, what does it mean that we're saved by grace? Would you pray with me? Father, we do want to pray so many people think that they're going to be saved by works, and that's not going to save them on the last day. Lord, teach us now what Jesus did for us and how we're saved by grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like, take out your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and let's go word by word through this important verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. Let me define the word grace. The word grace simply means God's unearned favor. It's God's favor, His mercy, His grace, but it's unearned. Grace means God's unearned favor. So a farmer dies and he stands before the pearly gates. And St. Peter says, why should I let you in? And the farmer said, well, I was a good husband. I never cheated on my wife. And St. Peter said, well, that's great. I'll give you two points. The farmer said, how many points do you need to get in? St. Peter said, 150. Oh, uh, give me another reason. Well, St. Peter, I, uh, I, I never cheated on my taxes. I was an honest man with my money. St. Peter says, great, I'll give you another point for that. Why else? Well, 
Uh, St. Peter, I went to church. St. Peter said, walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. But we'll give you a point for that. Uh, why else should I chant? The guy's now sweating. Um, well, St. Peter, I believed in God. St. Peter said, the devil believes in God. But we'll give you a point for that. And, and now the guy is just, he's straining. A, finally, he gives up. And he says, I don't know, St. Peter. I guess it's only by the grace of God I'll get into heaven. And St. Peter says, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the way we are saved is grace, God's unearned favor. For by grace, next word, you have been saved. The word you there in Greek is plural. It's not you singular, you plural. Not just one Christian in Galatia, all the Christians of Galatia are saved by grace. So here's the next lesson. Salvation is a plural thing. It's not a singular lone ranger type of Christian. Salvation is a plural thing. I worry about people who think they can be Christians without the church. I got a phone call some time ago. Pastor Brock, I want you to baptize my baby. Do we know each other, madam? No. Do you, do you, go to, do you have a church you go to? No, but I, I, I believe in baptism, so I want you to baptize my baby. Do you intend on coming to church and raising this child in the faith? No. I said, in the baptismal service, you make a promise to God that you're going to raise this child as a Christian in the church. Well, no, I don't want that, but I do want my baby baptized. I finally said, I'm not doing it. She got very, very angry. Well, the Bible never says you have to go to church. I said, yes, it does. Hebrews chapter 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Salvation is a plural thing. If you don't have a church, you find a church and start going every week. I mean, I can remember years ago, the pastor that I worked under, Pastor Roger Carlson, wonderful Christian pastor. And he says to me one day, Tom, let's go visit this couple that haven't been in church for seven years. They got mad about something and stopped coming. So we went over and we knocked on the door and we sat in their living room, an elderly couple. And I didn't know if we were going to get anger, bitterness or whatever. And Roger says to this couple, don't you think it's time for you two to rededicate your lives to Christ and come back to church? And they said, yes. And I remember Roger prayed, this couple rededicated their lives to Christ. They were in church every Sunday after that. You find a church and go, salvation is a plural thing. For by grace, God's unearned favor, you plural, next words, have been saved. In the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek tense of the word have been saved is the perfect passive tense. Next thing, salvation is finished. It's a completed thing. When Jesus died on the cross, what were his last words about? It is finished. Salvation is not something you work for. Salvation is something past tense that's already been completed for us by Christ. Now, I preach that a lot on this show if you watch it, that we're saved by grace, not by our good works. I got a, a letter from a kind of an angry viewer. Well, no, my, my good works are part of my salvation. And she quoted Philippians chapter 2 where it says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, I wrote her back, look at the next part of the verse in Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So even any good works you do, even your faith is not something you do. That's a gift from God. So God gets credit for all of our salvation. It's 100% his grace that saves us. 
for by grace, God's unearned favor, you plural, have been saved, past tense. Next word, you have been saved. Do you know what the word saved means? There's a story of an Indian chief more than 100 years ago who was converted to Christ. The other Indian chiefs heard about his conversion, came to visit him. What does this mean, you saved? And he had some dry wood chips, and he put them in a circle. And he took a worm, and he put the worm in the middle of the circle. And he lit the chips on fire, and they all watched as this worm tried to go this way and, then that, and kept being repelled back into the middle. And then the chief took his hand, and he picked the worm up and put it safely to the side. And he said, I was that worm. I was going to the fires. And our good chief, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead to pull us out of the fire. That's what saved means. For by grace, God's unearned favor, you, plural, have been, past tense through Christ's death, saved. Martin Luther was born in 1483. He was a Catholic. Actually, he was an Augustinian monk. He was in the monastery. He wanted to know he was saved. But at the end of the every day, he knew he had sinned. He kept going to the father confessor at the monastery, Staupitz, confessing his sins all the time. Staupitz finally said, Luther, read the book of Romans in the New Testament. Martin Luther is reading the book of Romans, and he rediscovers something that had kind of been lost. We're saved by grace, by the grace of God, not by our good works, but by grace. And Luther said, when I read that passage, it was like I went through open doors into paradise. I felt myself to be born again. Have you discovered the grace of God for your salvation? For by grace, you have been saved. Next words, through faith. The word faith simply means trust. In other words, I trust Jesus to save me. I don't trust weak, sinful me to save me. I trust Jesus to save me. And I want you to notice something uh, from Ephesians 2, verse 8. Faith is necessary for salvation. There is a smelly heresy going around the church today. It's called universalism. It's a teaching that everyone is saved. You know, if, if you believe in Christ, great, but everybody's going to heaven. Our loving God won't send anybody to hell. Well, that's not what this verse says. This verse says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is necessary for you to be saved. The Corinthian jailer says to the Apostle Paul in, in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, sadly, I'm a Lutheran. I'm not an ELCA Lutheran anymore, but the ELCA Lutheran magazine prints articles promoting that everybody's going to heaven. There is no hell. That's not what the New Testament teaches. That's not what this verse teaches. You're saved through faith. Faith is necessary in Christ if you're to go to heaven. So how do we define faith? Well, an atheist falls off a cliff. As he's falling, he grabs onto this branch that's sticking out of the rock, and he holds on for dear life. But finally, his arms start to go limp, and he looks up. Anybody up there? God, if you're up there, help. And a voice comes from heaven. My child, let go of the branch, and I shall catch you. And the atheist says, anybody else up there? <laughs> 
You know what faith is? Faith is me letting go of trying to save myself, and I trust Jesus to save me. That's what faith is. Next words, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself. Here's the next lesson. You can't save you. Here's a story of a, a man that was drowning in the ocean. The wife runs up to the lifeguard, my husband's drowning, help! And the, the lifeguard looks up and he sees this husband flailing his arm, and he stands there. And the wife says, he's drowning, get out there and save him! And finally, the lifeguard sees the man go limp, and he runs out, uh, swims out, catches the man, and gets him to the shore safely. And the wife is so mad, why didn't you go out there when I told you to? And the, the lifeguard says, I have discovered, if I try to save someone who's trying to save himself, we'll both go down. If I wait till they give up, that's when I can rescue them. Most people are trying to save themselves by trying to be hard, good enough. You've got to let Jesus save you. Give up on saving yourself. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Here's the next lesson. You can't earn salvation. It's a gift from God. I mean, now it's about what? Nine, ten dollars to get into the theater? And you and I want to go to the movie theater. You've got a quarter. I've got a dime. Which of us is getting in? Neither, unless Jesus comes along with twenty dollars and pays our way in. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Next words, not of works. Here's the next lesson. Good works don't save you. If you were to ask 10 people on the street, do you think you're going to heaven? Most would say yes. Why? Because I think I've been good. No, you haven't. This is a story I've told before, but please listen to this story. Here's a pastor who has an 80-year-old Aunt Edith, a nice old lady, but not a Christian lady. He told us one day his wife pushed him out the door and said, you go talk to Aunt Edith about her soul. He drove across town, sat in her lovely living room. She was very wealthy. Well, Aunt Edith, can I ask you a couple questions today? And um, uh, the, Aunt Edith said, well, yes, Pastor, you can. Well, if you die tonight, are you sure you go to heaven? Well, I, I hope so. Well, the pastor said, the Bible says you can know so. But he said, let me ask you question number two. If you died tonight and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Well, pastor, I think I've been good. And the pastor said, let's see how good you are. And Edith, don't answer out loud, but let me take you through the Ten Commandments. Let's see how you're doing. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life, Aunt Edith? Have you ever let anything be more important to you than God? If so, you broke the first commandment of God. You deserve to be punished for your sins. Commandment number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Do you ever say, oh my God, oh Lord? Have you ever taken Jesus' name in vain? If you've done any of that, you've profaned the holy name of God, you've sinned to, uh, the second commandment. Commandment number three, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you, do you go to church every week? Do you love worshiping the Lord? Or do you maybe make it Christmas and Easter? Do you violate the Sabbath? If so, you've broken the third commandment. Commandment number four, honor your father and mother. When you were a little girl, did you ever disobey your parents, etc.? Commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. He gets to this one and she kind of breathes easy, but he says, Bible says if you hate people, you've killed them in your heart. He took her through six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, and Aunt Edith discovers she's not going to make it. 
And he says, Ann Edith, you're really going to tell God on Judgment Day, I've been good, let me in? And she said, no. And he said, where do you deserve to go, Ann Edith? And she said, hell. And the pastor said, me too. And he said, because you can't get to heaven by being good because we're not, we're sinners. Because you can't get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments because in thought word and deed we break them more than we keep them. God gave us a whole different way to be saved. And he said to her, do you want to know for sure how you can be saved for eternity? And she said, please. And he told her about what we're talking about, grace. Listen carefully. Up here is heaven. Heaven is God's perfect home. If you want to get into heaven, you have to be just like God is, absolutely perfect. And let's say that my billfold represents sin. God won't allow sin in heaven. If he did, you'd have hatred, murder, crime, rape, abortion, pornography. You'd have America all over again. God won't let sin into heaven. This hand represents you and me, a typical human being. And the problem is that each one of us is loaded with sin. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, grace. 2,000 years ago, God came down from heaven and God became a human being. His name was Jesus. God lived in a human body for about 33 years. He never sinned once because he was God. When he was about 33 years old, he took our sins off of us, put them on his back. He carried our sins up to the cross. They put nails through his hands and feet. The sins we deserve to be punished for, he took our punishment for us. He paid for our sins. It killed him. He was buried and our sins are buried with Christ. Three days later, he rises from the dead, goes back to heaven, and now God promises you, no matter what sins you may have committed, if you will turn to Christ and trust in him, you're forgiven of your sins, you're going to be saved by the grace of God. And the pastor said that that 80-year-old Aunt Edith became a newborn babe in Christ that day. Let's put it all together. Do you understand this? It's crucial. For by grace... God's honor and favor. You, plural, be part of a church, have been saved. Grace is a past thing that Jesus did for us through faith. You do need to believe in Christ to be saved. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you said if we're saved by grace, God's grace, and not our good works, mm -hmm. does that mean that we can sin all we want and still be saved? The answer is, from Romans chapter 6, Paul, who preached salvation by grace alone, not by good works, ask the question, Romans chapter 6, shall we then continue in sin that grace might increase? His answer it is, may it never be. In other words, we're saved by grace alone, but grace always changes our life. And if you're living with no change in your life, or you're living a full life of sin, you haven't been saved by grace alone. And Jackie, I'll give you a bad example. I read this recently. The ELCA Lutheran Church now has its first transgender pastor. It's a woman who dresses like a man. This woman has a woman wife, and she's the pastor now in the ELCA. And she wrote an article saying, well, even if homosexuality is a sin, hey, we're saved by grace. In other words, she's denying 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, that you cannot live in fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and be saved, because grace changes your life. So that's it's an old heresy called antinomianism, that because we're saved by grace, we can live like the devil. No, we can't. 
But she actually admitted that maybe homosexuality uh, yeah, that, is yeah, a sin. She admitted that if, she said, if it is, I'm still saved. Okay. Well, read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. So does a person need to go to church in order to be saved? I would say that they're in Or to be a Christian, maybe, oh, well, I should say. Okay, instead. I would say this. The, what saves us is Christ on the cross, period. But if someone has, is a, I, I, because the church is so central in the Bible. When, Jackie, when people got saved in the New Testament, they joined the church. And if somebody refuses to join the church, I'm concerned about their soul. I mean, I, I know there are people that can't get to church because they're shut-ins, but if you could be part of the body of Christ and you're absolutely refusing, at the very least, you're rebelling against Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27 or 8, uh, and, and you're being under rebellion. Okay, does the Bible ever talk about salvation being something in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just talked about salvation. By grace you have been, past tense, saved. But I, I, this is very helpful, I think, Jackie. There are three tenses of salvation. Okay, that's what's yep. confusing. I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. All right. Past tense, I was saved, is called justification. It's when God declares me not guilty in his courtroom. It's all, that's a past tense thing. I was justified when Jesus died on the cross. And I'm being saved from the penalty of sin. That's past tense. Present tense is I'm being saved from the power of sin. It's called sanctification. It's the process by which the Holy Spirit cleans me up. And that's being saved from the present power of sin. The third uh, tense, I will be saved. That's called glorification. It happens at the end of the world, at the second coming. And there I'll be saved from the very presence of sin. We won't even be around it anymore. So let's put it all together. I was saved, past tense, when God justified me and declared me not guilty for my sins, from the penalty of my sin. Present tense, I am being saved by the, from the power of sin by the Holy Spirit. It's not completed yet. It won't be completed till heaven. But slowly but surely, I'm being saved from sin's power. Future, called glorification, will be saved from even the presence of sin when Jesus returns and takes us to heaven. So it's three parts yeah. into it. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, if faith is a gift from God, why doesn't everybody have it? And that's part Do we of the, have to ask for faith? Well, I think we sh if someone is watching this show and, you know, I wish I had faith, but I just don't have it. And my response is, you know, you, you, that's something you can't work up on yourself. I think it's proper to say, God, would you please open my heart and give me faith? Because it says in the book of Acts, Paul was preaching, and it says, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by Paul. And that's how she got faith. Now, you can ask the hard question, why doesn't he do that to everybody? I don't know. Part of this is the mysteries of God. Why doesn't God give the gift of faith to everybody so that everybody goes to heaven? Well, Romans 9 says God chooses whom he wills, and we live, leave some of this to the mystery of God. Pastor Brock, tough question for you. Mm -hmm. Can a child have enough faith that if something happens to him, I mean, not knowing what faith truly is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think babies can be saved. You know, David says in the Psalms, and there's a little bit of problem here because you're going to, you can translate it one of two ways, but let, in the Psalms, David says, even on my mother's breast, Lord, I trusted in you. I think there's a way even little, little kids can be trusting in the Lord sometimes, maybe more than we do as adults. We so, question it probably yeah, more. Yeah, that's right. You talked about the heresy of universalism. Mm -hmm. First of all, what churches teach this? Mm -hmm. that 
again, the universalism heresy says everybody's saved, everybody's going to heaven, there is no hell. The problem is Jesus talked about hell a lot. So either Jesus is wrong or the universalists are wrong. I think the universalists are wrong. Who teaches universalism? Used to be mainly the Unitarian Church, which deny, the, the Unitarians deny the Trinity, they deny that Jesus is God. Most of them deny that he rose from the dead. So I don't think the Unitarian Church is a Christian church. But the universalism heresy has spread now into Christian denominations. And you've got some Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalians, ba uh, not many Baptists, but some Baptists, uh, 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 Episcopalians, some Methodists teach that there's no hell anymore. This, uni this universalism heresy has spread into many churches. A lot. A lot. I mean, and they were and, good churches. And they and were the good churches. And, you know, a lot of these people in those churches still believe the truth, but some of their liberal pastors and bishops are universalists. I mean, I, got this, I went to a Lutheran seminary. They, uh, there were professors that taught that there. <clears throat> and how did you handle that? I had a very miserable three years at my Luther seminary in St. Paul. Okay. Why do you think most people are convinced that they have to be good enough to get to heaven? Mm -hmm. I think... It's part pride and part confusion. The pride part is, I don't need Jesus to save me. I'm doing quite well myself. Thank you. And th in their human pride, they don't think they need Jesus because I'm a basically good person. They won't humble themselves to see their sinfulness. That's part of it. The other part of it, the Bible does teach we'll be judged by works. It doesn't say we'll be saved by works, but it says we'll be judged by works. So we're saved by grace alone. But that always comes out to a degree in a changed life, and that changed life on Judgment Day will show whether my faith was real or not. But, so they get confused thinking their works save them. Their works will, can never save them. It's only Christ's death on the cross that saves us. I don't think, though, if you don't have faith, you aren't going to attempt to do good works. Yeah. Because the faith part is more crucial right. than the works that you in do. In fact, it's, Paul says in Romans, Without faith, is that it is impossible to please God. So whatever, if somebody does a good work, but they're not doing it because of faith in Christ, it doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Well, did Jesus teach salvation by good works in John 5, John chapter yeah. 5? Jesus said this about the last day, that there will be a resurrection of dead, the dead. Those that have done the good will, will, be, will be saved. Those, those that have done the evil things will be damned. So there, uh, what is that, John chapter 5, verse 28 through 29. And I read that at funerals because uh, it's a good funeral text. We're if, if, you know, read the whole chapter. We're saved by Christ because he's the one that, that imparts the gift of eternal life. But again, those that have done evil go to heaven, go to hell. Those that have done good, well, what is the good? The good is turning and trusting Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But that also does change your life somewhat. But what saves you is the grace, but it comes out and works. Thanks for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.